Our sermon text is from Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 17. A few weeks ago, I introduced Michelle to Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island. While she was familiar with the tale, she was not familiar with what is arguably the best film adaptation of the late 19th century novel, and that is, of course, the 1996 film Muppets Treasure Island. The story begins with a young boy named Jim Hawkins who finds an old map in the sea chest of the mysterious Billy Bones. The map that Jim finds identifies the island location of the hidden treasure that belongs to the, to the notorious pirate Captain Flint. But in order to find this island, they need someone with a ship who is willing to navigate them there. Our band of characters finds a, name, a, a man named Captain Smollett played by the illustrious Kermit the Frog, who is willing to sail them aboard his vessel, the Hispaniola. Unbeknownst to them, several members of Captain Flint's former pirate crew, who are also after their captain's treasure, made it aboard the ship. Now, I won't spoil the film for you if you haven't seen it, but you can imagine how the rest of the story unfolds. There's a voyage fraught with peril, mutiny, sabotage, and lots of Muppets. But what if I told you that there is a treasure far greater than the hidden treasure of an old Caribbean pirate? A treasure that does not require a swashbuckling adventure to a faraway pirate island. A treasure that's much closer than you think. Our text this morning is Romans chapter 10, verse 5 through 17. This reading sits in the middle of a larger discourse concerning the election of God's people, that runs from Romans chapter 8 all the way through Romans chapter 11. Paul specifically is lamenting the Jews who, though they were entrusted with the oracles of God, do not clearly see that Jesus is the promised Messiah. We read last week in Romans chapter 9 that Paul so desperately wishes for their salvation that if he could be cut off from Christ himself in order that they might be saved, he would do so. Now in chapter 10, Paul is talking about the gift of God's righteousness, a righteousness that comes through Christ. He notes that there are two kinds of righteousness, a righteousness of the law in verse 5, and a righteousness of faith in verse 6. Paul quotes from Leviticus 18.5, which says, The man who does those things, referring to the law, shall live by them. The point that Paul is making here is the same point that he is making back in chapter 9 when he says in verse 31 and 32, But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. Paul's argument is essentially this. Can you attain righteousness by keeping the law perfectly? In theory, yes. In reality, absolutely not. That is precisely what the Jews were trying to do. Paul says in chapter 10, verses 2 through 4, he says, They, the Jews, have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Paul is saying that the zeal for God alone is not enough. 
The Jews were zealous for God, yet they were ignorant of the righteousness that comes only through Christ. Righteousness cannot come through us. The law of God demands perfection, and our righteousness based on the law is imperfect. The man who does those things shall live by them. Keep the law and you'll live. The problem, no matter how hard you try to keep the law, no matter how much effort you put in, you can never achieve your own righteousness. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus summarizes the law like this. Love God, love your neighbor. Do you truly love your neighbor? Do you truly seek to help and support your neighbor in every physical need? Many people in our nation are suffering greatly because of the coronavirus pandemic. Our neighbors are dying, and yet we bicker about something as simple as wearing a mask to the grocery store, a mask that could help slow the spread of this deadly virus to those in our community who are the most susceptible. What about our words? How do we speak about our neighbor? The Eighth Commandment is this. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. How quickly do we spread a piece of juicy gossip about someone we know? How quickly do we kill our neighbor with our thoughts and words? And social media makes this all worse. We can spread lies, rumors, and hurt the reputation of our neighbors faster and easier than ever before. We've seen quite a bit of that going on this year, especially with the upcoming election, the current pandemic, and all of the politics and social disruptions that come along with that. We're told to social distance, but the truth is, we in this country have been socially distant from one another for quite some time, well before the pandemic, in fact. The only difference now is that we have to stand at least six feet apart. What about loving God? How often do we make ourselves our own idols? When you examine your heart, do you see someone who truly fears, loves, and trusts in God above all things all the time? Probably not. Do we live our lives quorum Deo in the presence of, under the authority of, and all to the honor and glory of God? Don't misunderstand me. This all doesn't mean that the law is useless to the Christian. It is well and good, and we should strive to conform ourselves to it, but it does mean that we cannot earn our own righteous standing before God on our own. Paul says in verse 5 and 6, But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. Paul is saying that you do not have to go on some distant treasure hunt to find this righteousness for yourself because the word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. The greatest treasure known to man is closer than you think. You don't have to search for it because Christ brings it to you. Christ alone achieved righteousness for us by keeping the law perfectly and bearing our punishment on the cross. Christ suffered our punishment, which he did not deserve, and in exchange we get his righteousness, which we do not deserve. This righteousness is offered in God's word for Christ's sake. It cannot be found in any other religion, it cannot be found in the world of nature, it cannot be found in some distant treasure island, 
This righteousness is offered in the gospel, and it comes to you today in the preaching of the word. It's conveyed to you in your holy baptism where God claimed you as his own, and it comes to you in absolution and in the reading of holy scripture. You don't have to search for this treasure because it's right here. This gift of Christ is a free gift for all. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Paul says that with a heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Faith is a gift that is worked into you by the Holy Spirit through the Word. We worship a God who speaks, not a God who is silent. The Word is living, and it does not return to God void. It accomplishes exactly what it sets out to do, and that is to bring sinners to repentance and salvation in Christ Jesus. Think about the sacraments. The operative power is in the Word. When the Word of God is applied to the water in holy baptism, and God says that you are His own child, you can count on it. When you remember your baptism, when you hear the Word of God read and exposited to you, and when you receive the Lord's Supper, your faith is strengthened and renewed. Paul reminds us today that we can't go seeking after righteousness like the young Jim Hawkins seeking after the treasure of an old pirate. There's simply nothing that we can do of our own power to earn or find this righteousness for ourselves. But the good news is that Jesus brings it to you. The greatest treasure ever given to humankind can be found right here in this place. Our humble church in Ohio City may not appear to be as magnificent as some grand European cathedral, a place where you'd expect to find some priceless treasure. But God's word is alive and is working in this little outpost of the gospel, working faith and salvation into you through the preached word and sending you out like the Samaritan woman at the well to call her neighbors to come meet Jesus. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven or who will descend into the abyss. But what does the righteousness of faith say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. In Jesus' name, amen.